And we didn't even talk about Kirby. <laughs> we mentioned we mentioned Kirby Worthy, but now people are going to be like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> Kirby Worthy. Kirby Worthy. Leave him wondering. You just have to say Kirby Worthy is what Jizza uses. <laughs> he does kind <laughs> of. You're cutting all this bat last bit out, right? No, maybe, oh, oh. maybe not. This is the stuff we oh, use. Like good stuff. You know? We just use the shit. Have you guys ever played the Polo Dolo song on the show? <laughs> I think we did, yeah, because you emailed in. You were like, this is what I listen to every day. And then I played, <laughs> yes. and then I played a snippet of the hipping with the pipe. And the I can send you the bars from this new Polo song that my band made. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Goldilocks, where the crew? What's up, boss supposed to do? Meet you on the Polo Court. You like YOLO, rock that sport. Take the mallet in your righty and the left squeeze breaky tighty. You all hot and mighty, every Thursday nighty, wheeling, jousting, 3v3, come on, rip that PBC, courtside, grab a brew, let that conversation stew, wonder where the cuckoo flew, that bird up in Hillcrest. people welcome to the north side polo podcast that's it we're back again with another exciting episode and who else would be with me other than liam hey and alex yay hey, what's up so today we're gonna start off with a tasty news segment before we get to our interview and of course the mailbag and some extra stuff at the end but uh news comes first what's the biggest piece of news in the north side region who wants to tell me i got times oh i said oh. that last time that is the biggest piece of news, but do you like them or not? People want to know. Yeah, they're. Um, I honestly don't really notice that much of a difference. <laughs> Probably going to get some hate mail for that, but I don't know. There's just a pedal, you know, and my foot did pop out once already when I was You're trying to turn. You're doing something wrong. Yeah, clearly it's my fault, right? You know, yeah, user error. Clearly it's my fault. You know, I think I should flip them around so that they're the, the, the lower setting the, or the lower angle setting. But I mean, I don't know. They, they're nice. The nice thing I look for, or the nice thing about them is that you can swap parts on them and stuff. You know, SPDs, it's like you can't replace certain parts of it. It's either replace the whole pedal or not. So I think that's one advantage of them. And they look cooler. My old SPDs were just all like dinged up on the side and like from falling over. And the times are way more sleek and fit with the aesthetic. So I don't regret it. But would I do it again? I guess that's regretting it if I said no. <laughs> so... I just won't say anything. You're net neutral in the end. I'm neutral. Any other news? Well, oh yeah, sorry. The other real news. Uh, there's a tournament. Yes, this is not a test. This is a, a tournament organized by our good buddy Rocky Bullwinkle, aka Justin. You probably heard him on the show. The Rumble by the River. It's going to be July 16th to 18th with nearby camping, and that's in I think it's in Couillon, Quebec. Yeah. Beyond Quebec, just across the river, Ottawa River, um, about an hour outside of Ottawa, just in the countryside. Yeah, in the beautiful Ottawa Valley. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. A bit of controversy with this tournament, with the whole naming aspect of it. I mean, originally it was going to be called the Valley Four, and then... You mean the beep? um, Some of the original organizers of Valley One, Two, Three didn't like that very much. And so Rumble by the River fits well. I think that's a good name. It's a little weird to hold a tournament as the fourth if you didn't do the first three, but it's also a little bit weird to uh, hold on to a holding a tournament if you haven't done it in like five years. Yeah, exactly. We just want to recreate the amazing memories. And I think people just want the Valley so bad that they're willing to do it themselves, but we got to wait because I mean, only the Valley boys can host the Valley. I guess this is what we've learned. It's not the Valley if that beat salad isn't there. And I don't trust anyone else to get that. Yeah. That spread. There was talk of trying to get them to make it and buy it off them for the Valley four though. <laughs> Maybe we can get it for rumble by the river. Talk, talk from you, Gavin. Well, I think Justin had mentioned it after listening to the podcast, actually. <laughs> but it's exciting. I mean, 
you know, I was a little skeptical at first, I got to be honest, but if I was going to be participating based on where we were in Ontario and Quebec with vaccines and COVID-19 and just seemed a bit early, but it really, to me, seems like things have really turned around in the last two weeks. Like the vaccine campaign has gone so like it's gone into hyperspeed. Everyone's getting vaccinated. And honestly, the numbers in Ottawa are down lower than they've been since like July last year when we were in like single digit cases a day. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And I'm really optimistic that given another month before this tournament, we could be in a, even a better place as more people get their second doses of those vaccines, which is great. Yeah. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, if you look at the cases in Ontario, it's basically a steady, like exponential increase until we go into lockdown and then it plummets. We're just coming out of lockdown. So it makes sense that we're at an all-time low and hopefully we don't see that exponential increase happen again. And I think with the vaccines that probably won't happen again, but to be honest, either way, it takes them so long to implement a lockdown that we should be good for this tournament anyway. <laughs> you know, the hope is that it's safe to have the tournament. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, I think with the vaccines, I know I got my second dose this past week and it uh, hit me like a truck, but it was so worth it. So yeah, I'm excited for the summer and for bike polo. Yeah, they say the second one is worse than the first. Yeah, you feel more symptoms, but you know what? It's still small fries compared to COVID, so it's so worth it. <laughs> oh, my first hit me way harder than the second. Oh, really? Interesting. Anyways, another big piece of news is that recruiting for bike polo is back in full swing in Ottawa. We're slowly gearing up our polo pickup process. Uh, I think this coming week, we're starting rookie nights again on Monday nights and we had Sunday pick up the past two weeks and hopefully soon we'll be adding a high octane night on Thursdays. It looks like that'll be the case, but it's a slow pickup, but uh, the posters have gone up. We've gotten a lot of feedback from rookies online and messages and emails to the club. So it's looking like we got some really good momentum coming into the next couple of weeks. Very exciting. I'm, I'm so jealous and I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. What other news we got here? Someone else want to give the next piece? So uh, we just also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Brett from Montreal. Looks like uh, they took a pretty big tumble. Uh, don't know the whole story, but we uh, want to wish you a speedy recovery. Mm -hmm. Very shocking pictures he posted of himself post-crash fell off his bike somehow. I don't know if it was polo related. I don't think it was, but uh, yeah, really tragic and just good health, Brett. Good health. We need you more amazing emails from you. I remember seeing Brett wipe out last summer in Montreal and he took like a pretty big crash and I was like, whoa, it was enough to make everyone kind of be like, oh man. And then he literally just hops back up on the bike. <laughs> no problem. I'm like, this guy messengers, right? Because he's just like, he's back up. Most people, I, I would have certainly probably like sat the rest of the day out. Yeah. Uh, rest up, Brett. And um, keep sending us emails. Keep sending us great fodder for for discussions. Like our previous episode, I think we mentioned that it was Brett's idea. <laughs> but we need more things like that. More fun topics. And our last piece of news is that the big D-Gel Montreal ball order came in. So you ordered balls with the... Uh, the Montreal club and Sieti there or gloves um, or gloves. Make I sure you contact gloves. them probably through Facebook's the best way to do it, honestly. And uh, yeah, find a way to get those balls to yourself because uh, polo season's in full swing. Yeah. I ordered a ton to Toronto too. So Toronto homies that want balls. Um, I have more than enough and I'm happy to redistribute them here. What's Great. the comparison on the D gel versus the, I guess, fix craft slash hecklers alley ball which one is, I feel like they're both pretty similar. Yeah, I thought they were the same. I don't. I didn't even know there was a difference. Well, some people seem to say there's a difference. I don't know. My, my understanding, especially after we talked to uh, Sean, was that they kind of did different runs every time, and so they were all a little bit different. But I don't, I don't know that there's a bigger difference between any, any two fixed craft runs and a D-gel versus a fixed craft run, you know? Every, every batch is slightly different, but they're all pretty good. We'll have Usually. to wait and see what these ones are like. I mean, it's going to take some testing to know, but hopefully they're solid. I heard good reviews from the Montreal gang. so And they know how to rip. They definitely do. And they're getting harder all the time. One other guy who knows how to rip is our interview guest for this uh, episode. So Liam, why don't you introduce uh, who we have on for these listeners today? Indeed. Indeed. Today on the show, we have possibly, um, I forget the term he uses in the podcast, my 
my polo daddy as to speak because he was the one who introduced me into bike polo um, all through a serendipitous discovery, which you'll hear about. And uh, it's none other than Ashwin, the 2017 Rookie of the Year. No, 2019 Rookie of the Year from uh, Ottawa. Is that right? Can't be 2019. He has to have been playing for longer than that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's the thing. He's, he's, he's developed such a resume in such a short period of time and now resides in Whitehorse, Yukon, where he has just started up a club um, this summer. And so we talked to him about that. We talked to him about the good old days in Ottawa and some of his inventions in the polo game. So it's a great interview. So enjoy. Hey Ashwin, welcome to the pod. Long time coming. I'm so happy. I'm so happy we finally found the time to do this. What's up, dude? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Big fan, long time listener, first time caller inner. Uh, not much, <laughs> just hanging out in Whitehorse, home of the Northern Polo Experience. Right. Yeah, you recently founded that club up there in Whitehorse. Is it officially the most northern club in North America, or do Anchorage or Talkeetna have you beat? I actually think Anchorage and Talkeetna are slightly more north, but Whitehorse is definitely the coldest club uh, in Canada, possibly in the world. What's the average or what's the lowest temperature in Whitehorse? Last year, it was like hovering around negative 50 at one point for a while. Oh, <laughs> and it was like in the negative forties for like two weeks. But but you have yet to play in that weather. Uh, we need extra cold balls. <laughs> <laughs> you would true. not play in negative fifty. I mean that that sounds like a typical Saskatoon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but Saskatoon doesn't play anymore. For our American listeners, uh, that is negative fifty eight Fahrenheit for you American Whoa. listeners out there. Um, yeah, that's incredibly cold. Like you can't be outside, right? Well, like, yes, you can, but it's cold. And you got to worry about your eyeballs freezing at that point, especially if you're on a bike. Like if you're moving around skiing or biking or like moving too quickly, having your eyeballs actually freeze inside your head is a, is a thing that can happen at that temperature. Dang. But most, most people will have like, you know, you're fully covered up and like, you're not going out in that unprepared or I hope not. Yeah. Like you wouldn't go out naked. That's for sure. Yeah, us Canadians, we could talk about the weather all, a long time. So I want to cut to the chase here, Ashwin. You have a really interesting origin story that we've actually talked about on the podcast before. Do you just want to regale us with the tale of how you got into bike polo? So like, yeah, I knew about bike polo f- somehow for a long time, like the same way you know about weird things like train hopping and dumpster diving, but you don't really have the... No. like. Uh, <laughs> The, the, the mental fortitude to just start doing them. And then like the lady of the lake, I found a polo mallet in a dumpster while I was biking around Ottawa. No, a garbage can. Sorry, not a dumpster. And uh, yeah, I pulled it out like the sword and the stone, a gentle hand will rule the land and all that. And uh, and then I met Jizza, which like is how so many of us have gotten started. I went to an alley cat and Jizza was there talking about bike polo. So like two and two, I came to the next. I didn't know about rookie night versus high octane night. And I just pulled up and swagged on the court. It was so, so fun. Yeah. So what made you stay like that initial night? What, what drew you? Like, obviously the scene Jizza draws a lot of people in. He's a beautiful man, but just like coming up, what was the vibe or the feeling that uh, made you want to stick it out? So Jizza um, claims to predate Jizza from uh, Wu-Tang Clan. I believe it. <laughs> and like, and Jizza yeah. plays on a back brake only bike and he's always covered in Simpsons stuff. So like, if I could describe the energy of Otto Apollo that first day with two words, I'd say jismic mysticism, just like, <laughs> um, but I think it was, I was decently okay when I started playing cause I rode bikes a lot and I played hockey a lot. So that was really enticing. And then like, what makes bike polo fun for anyone it, to me is that super linear like development. If you put more time into it, you will get better. The learning curve is so related to playing. So the first game, it feels like you're learning so much. And I just wanted to like keep chasing that dragon. I mean, it was awe-inspiring watching you guys get, you, you improve. And it wasn't just you. Cause I think, uh, I think we would be remiss without 
talking about the fact that I feel like everywhere you go, you're like a social magnet. And because when you started playing polo in Ottawa, it wasn't like just you started, right? Yeah, the the four Slayers, aka the Chigan Boys, started playing. So like that's Liam, who you guys might know, and then Matt Petersma, aka the Human Encyclopedia of Bike Polo, and BS, yeah. <laughs> who uh, is the juggernaut, and then uh, Knee Boy, who was on an episode earlier. And that was the funniest mm-hmm. thing. Like, like he was off tree planting that summer, and he came back, and he was like, came to our house at Bronson, uh, the acid mine, and he was like, we were like, oh, you're just in time, like we're going to polo. And he's like, what? <laughs> so he came, <laughs> he came with us, and he watches us play, and he's like, oh, okay, and he hops on, and he just sucks. And he's like, what the heck? How did you guys all get so good? What were you doing this summer? <laughs> and now he's NIH rep. Yeah. How yeah. about that? Yeah, it, you've grown a lot. And like that's one of the most interesting things, I think, about your story in bike polo, uh, Ashwin, is like everywhere you go, you just recruit boundless amounts of players. Like Ottawa had been going through a slump. We hadn't had a new player in a couple of years that had really stuck. And within like a week of joining me, you had recruited, I think, five new players. And it seems like every stop along the way, that's kind of been the story for you as far as bike polo. You just, you're drawing people in. You're probably the most prolific recruiter of the past five years in Canada, honestly. That's honestly my proudest polo achievement is I've been really climbing the power rankings for recruitment. I would honestly say, like, it depends. You can, you can talk about your mentees. And in that case, I'd say I've probably got like, well, now with Whitehorse, I'm like close to like 40, maybe 30 to 40 mentees, all of my own. But then if you consider my grand mentees, you look at folks like Ben Bales, who eventually may be on this podcast because he's put out like a huge amount of rookies. He's pulled them in in Vancouver. You look at Kneeboy, who's pulled tons of new people to Montreal, obviously uh, Liam and, and Matt. So if you count my grand mentees, I've got this massive um, haul. But then you have to give respect to Jizza because he brought me in. So Jizza single-handedly may have hundreds of offspring, so to speak. I love it. It really goes to show how like rookie recruitment in bike pole is exponential. And that's one of the points we always try to hit home on the podcast is you never know who you're recruiting and who they might recruit. And it can really explode. Like, I don't know what polo in Canada would look like if we had never, if Ashwin had never found a mallet in a trash can, like what would the Montreal (laughs) club look like? What would the Ottawa club look like? It's, it's weird to think about this. A butterfly's wings on one side of the world can cause a hurricane on the other. So Ashwin, what is it going to take to get you in Toronto this summer or next summer? (laughs) Yeah, you guys are hurting, eh? I, uh, I sent a polo player down there. I'll have you know. Shout out Margie from Whitehorse. She oh, yeah. uh, just moved. Uh, she's moving to the Maritimes, but spending the summer in Toronto. I don't know if you all are playing, but uh, she's a slayer. We're we're still figuring things out in Toronto right now. So I think I think that there's going to be games once things open up, but they haven't opened up yet. So and our court isn't there anymore. So like we've got some logistical hoops to jump through. But I looking at our Facebook page, I think there's a desire from a lot of people to play. And it's actually pretty cool seeing uh, players that weren't like super active before the pandemic seem to be a lot more active now, at least to talking about polo. So I'm, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a big resurgence in Toronto coming out of this pandemic once it opens up. This is like when the Australian wildfires happened and we sent a bunch of Canadian firefighters there to help out. Like I can send some envoys from Whitehorse yeah. to uh, <laughs> your disaster zone. Got to gotta seed the, the regrowth of the polo club here, you know? Yeah. So one question I have <clears throat> is that you've, as well as bringing a lot of players to the game, you've, you've definitely brought in some neat ideas in terms of gameplay strategies. And I want to talk specifically, I guess we'll start with the, the peg leg. If you could just tell the people what the peg leg is. I think we've talked about it in previous episodes, but I think they'd like to hear it uh, directly from the creator of the peg leg itself. Yeah, from the horse's mouth. Yes. Yeah, the peg part of it. um, Obviously, peg has a lot of different meanings. In this case, peg means like wooden leg of a pirate. So if you touch the ground with your foot, that's a dab. But if you put your foot on your bike, that's not a dab. Or if you touch your foot to your mallet, that's not a dab. So as a result, touching your foot to your mallet when the mallet is on the ground 
That is peg legging. You are not touching the ground. You are not dabbing. Bye bye. I win. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I've used it a few times. Yeah, I've been told not to do it, but it's perfectly legal. Yeah. It is pretty contentious issue. I mean, a couple of years ago, there was quite the debate online about the validity of peg legs throughout the continent. And some people are saying, you know, reading the NAH rules that peg legging technically is illegal because you're putting your foot on something that isn't the pedal, right? The way they're written. But in my opinion, we just got to change those rules. Well, that's broken because if you lift your foot off the pedal and by accidentally touch it to another part of your bike, then you're dabbing. I guess I would say that, yeah. So then you could you could knock someone's foot off their pedal, touch your mallet to them, and they'd be dashed. <laughs> which is a whole that, new technique we could like develop as an offshoot. Then that would be called that, pegging or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's the NBA equivalent of like sweeping the arm and catching the defender. You just like kick kick their shin and then uh, <laughs> touch, their, touch their foot with your mallet and you're like they're dabbed <laughs> yeah so the rules are broken oh, wait are you dabbing in the process by touching your foot to their shin <laughs> oh man this is dabception right now um another famous maneuver you've pulled off that has received a lot of clout online and kind of a cult following is the lobster trap which i've heard used is now being used all across the world um, tell us a bit about the lobster trap like, and how you came up with this idea because it's ridiculous. So like, I was in the lab for a while and we played a show, um, Guam, which is me and Liam and Ben's band. And I was particularly withered that morning after a late night out. And we were absolutely getting destroyed by this team, probably from like friggin' Portland or something. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> we decided it was time to... What you, so I, once again, this maybe goes against the, the rules of dabbing according to the official rules, but who cares? We tipped the bikes over without ever touching the ground and stood on the side of them in order to create a little triangle around the ball. Then we stood facing outwards and batted away the opposing players with our mallets. And you're probably wondering, well, obviously someone's just going to steal the ball while you're trying to set up this intricate maneuver. One, we could do it very quickly. And two... What you do is you go up by two points, then you intentionally let the other team score on you, and then during the period that they're not allowed to come over and cross half court, boom, little quick setup. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And you could do it right behind the net. (laughs) For an added guard. (laughs) Wow. I mean, it sounds unbeatable to me. And what was the success at that tournament in Vancouver where you pulled it off? Well, we were going to lose 6 nothing, but we only lost 5 nothing. I think. Got him. Well, no, it must have been four. Yeah, so we held them off. Paid dividends already. Your plus minus was saved on the tournament. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And we later went on to lose that tournament. So, Do you think that that's a maneuver that more like competitive teams will be using in the future? Like, Can you see the finals of NAH like, championship settled in a two-to-one <laughs> kind of 40-minute lobster trap? <laughs> like, I, I hear so many times people saying bike pulling needs to be more accessible as like a sport for people to watch, a spectator sport. <laughs> and I don't think people are going to want to watch highly technical, exciting bike polo. Like if I'm watching polo, I want to watch three people standing on their bikes, sort of batting away an onslaught of attackers. Absolutely. I mean, that's awesome. That sounds like action to me. That's that's the innovation that we came for, right? Yeah. Where did this idea come from? Did it just seep out of your sick brain or? Like, <laughs> I was just spending a lot of time thinking about different, ways like you know the liminal spaces between dabbing and non-dabbing and one thing that came like along the way is a move i call the nine iron which maybe hasn't been discussed on the show yet have you guys talked about it no No, i think so so the nine iron is kind of like a flex what you do is you pull up put your bike down and stand on it without dabbing and then someone passes to you and you just take a slap shot two hands on the mallet as if you're (laughs) shooting golf (laughs) yeah Wow. Do, really do you have to, to yell for? Like, yes. <laughs> feels like it'd be really hard to do without like jackknifing your bike and then immediately wiping out. No, so in this super hard. in this version, you've tipped your bike over and you're standing on the side of it the way you are oh, in a I lobster see, trap. I see. But I you bring see. up a good point. The two-handed ripper 
um, <laughs> was actually invented by a man named Pistol who lives in Anchorage, and he can do it flawlessly. Oh, for real? It's 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 truly incredible. Yeah, I've seen many attempt, but Pistol <laughs> lives up to his name. I saw him hit half court rippers with a two hander. Where do you do that? Call it the slap shot at the Anchorage Midnight Sunburn. Oh, right. I'm just so excited for the next like what what's going to come out next. Um, you've got me thinking about things like I, it makes me want to go tear through the rule book and try to find as many corner cases as I can. They recently changed it so that you can support yourself by holding onto the boards. And I'm just like picturing someone like matrix style, like running on the boards with like two hands on their bike now, like full sideways. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can incorporate that for any kind of strategic advantage, but I think it's technically legal now. Like, could you get off your bike and run along the boards? Do you need to even be touching your bike to play polo if you're not dabbing? If you could hold yourself up with your mallet and you could leave your bike in net and just run around the boards, are you not dabbed and you're still in play? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll meet back up in the lab, fellas. <laughs> yeah, you gotta... Ashwood's not gonna sleep tonight after hearing that. <laughs> well, I got polo tonight, so yeah, we might be cooking. Okay. That's what the white horse club is eh? is it's just uh your experimentations um well it's kind of interesting like have, starting a new club i suppose you guys talked to jenna from talkeetna that's right eh yeah yes and she gave me a bunch of cool tips on how to start a club that i definitely used some of them but a lot of it is not playing as much as i want to so that other people can play and also the the well here's a question for you guys um do you start do you hit massive rippers to excite people with the possibility of rippers or do you not hit them so they're not scared of having their tooth knocked out by justin in their first ever game i think you got it you got to get a read on what the person's like some people want their tooth knocked out and they want that excitement and some people uh you got to ease them in i don't know i i think i will do a few hard rippers but they're gonna be like passes off the boards or something you know what i mean like I might not purposely aim for the goalie or the net with my ripper. I might like shoot it off the board super hard so it makes a loud smash just to show people what's possible, you know? Although my rippers aren't that hard, let's be honest. What do you do, Ashwin? I did some big rippers, but uh, only at certain players. Like if I wanted to break my friend Kai's spokes, right? That would be good. <laughs> that would be good for the game. Yes. But for a lot of the other players, I try not to do anything scary. Let's face it. I mean, I've got the strongest ripper north of watson lake and west of Ooh. uh or east of anchorage i would i would honestly say <laughs> these are some big claims that you're definitely gonna have to back up well actually sorry east of burwash landing i'm gonna change that there is one player that lives in the communities i think you're gonna have to put your money where your mouth is on that okay yeah i mean there's not that many players up here but yeah yeah i can do that i feel like you're describing a rather small geographical era so um You've made up a bunch of maneuvers and you've brought a lot to the game in a creative space. Absolutely. With your experimentation, but you've also developed a few terms that really help better describe the action on the court. So can you run us through the terminology that's used up North? Because I know the vernacular is very different than what we might see in, you know, some uh, clubs south of the border. Sure. Yeah. So obviously we use a lot of the common terms like scorpion sidewinder for a shot that goes under your bottom bracket or a scud for a shot that's taken directly backwards or any shot that's really obscure, like jismic mysticism. But here in particular, we don't call them shuffles. We call them barrel siders because there's no shuffleboard in the Yukon, only barrels. And then another thing we say a lot is well-struck old bean when someone hits it well. We also use the term docking for when two mallet heads get linked you know when you're trying to catch the other person and it ends up with both of you pulling directly in tension? Mm. Yeah, like you're hooking their mallet head with your mallet yeah, head? Yeah, so that's... We, well, we're still like not sure. The jury's out. We might call that docking. Okay, okay. Um, oh, and then, of course, uh, auto-aim, which you guys are probably well familiar with. Liam, do you want to tell the folks what auto-aim is? Well, the auto-aim... My understanding is auto-aim is like when your mallet has such a wicked curve to it that... Or no, sorry, that's something else. That's the curvy word. <laughs> this is... auto. Auto aim is when you have your mallet head on. Is it slightly loose so that it spins around in the direction you're swinging? Yeah, that's precisely <laughs> that's it. That's it, right? So auto yes. aim okay. is, yeah, you let your mallet head intentionally become loose on the end of your mallet, <laughs> and it will simply aim like a gyroscope whenever you need to fire at the ball. <laughs> and auto aim, a lot of people don't know, is actually short for autoerotic aim. That's where the term <laughs> comes from. 
uh, along with auto aim uh, my bike used to have auto shift because i had an internal three-speed shifter and that would just automatically or auto erotically uh shift like whenever i needed that extra push of power and also the bike listed to one side with something known as auto steer. I've used uh, the auto headset before. Dan from Toronto was horrified when he saw my commuter bike, which had a headset that was so caved out that it, it had about 10 degrees of auto. I called it a dynamic steer angle. <laughs> um, when you went into corners, it would it would tighten up and you could get some pretty some pretty good, you know, the geometry is pretty good into those if uh, as long as it didn't break, which it never did. Yeah, I love that. Ashwin, I'm kind of thinking of all these automatic sorry auto erotic thank you um gear setup have with your auto aim mallet your auto shift bike auto steer bike and i'm just wondering this kind of just introduces a lot of randomness to the game do you think you're just out there rolling dice or are you actually playing polo or is your bike just playing it for you well obviously randomness never occurs in polo like Nothing unintentional ever really takes place on the court. So it's a bit of a ridiculous question, Gavin. Okay, sorry I asked. Sorry, I, I I know that maybe it's just because I don't have the skill necessary to play with um, loosened heads and gears that change by themselves as I play. But I mean, <laughs> you've adapted it well and used it to some success in, in some places, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the culture up here. Only one player plays with single speed. Everyone else plays on a geared bike. Interesting. So how does that affect the game? Do people gear up and gear down during gameplay? I, I have not seen that. We play on a court that's actually very similar in size to the um, one in Ottawa. It's very similar in size. So it's not really so big. Like if you're on the Great Plains of Montreal, then yeah, you're gearing all over the place, I'd imagine. But here we don't really touch that. Everyone just commutes on their bike up here. So a lot of folks I've heard like say, oh, you know what, I'm actually not going to make my bike single speed because it would be annoying for biking over, which is sweet. That's the kind of culture I want. How close is your court to sort of where everybody's living or like, is it a big commute for people? It is one minute from where I live. I don't know how far it is for anyone else. <laughs> I got to select the court because I started the club, but uh, no, it's not too far. I mean, Whitehorse uh, has a bit of a sprawl, but most of my friends live pretty close. So almost everyone bikes. Uh, on top of that, well, what else? I put out a zine and a bunch of posters and actually got someone to show up after they saw a poster, which is maybe one of my proudest achievements with this club. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask like, what went into actually founding this club, right? Because a lot of people want to start a club in their city and you've been immensely successful in a part of the country that I think a lot of people wouldn't expect, right? So what were your main strategies? What tips can you give to other people starting clubs? Like right off the bat, I'd say I couldn't have started this club two years ago or three years ago when I moved here. I had to like develop a cool crew of friends bit by bit that might actually want to play. Because at first your club is just going to be like a click of your friends, even though that's not what polo feels like. Like I love polo because it's this total crazy mishmash. When you see the Ottawa club and you're playing with like Jizza and Rambo and like all these crazy and rock star and Hollywood, you're like, I would never have met these people. But when you start a club, it's like only your friends, which is kind of weird. But you end up knowing the right people that are actually going to pull up. Uh, on top of that, I just chose a date and said it's happening every time. It was actually the night of the week that we all played pickup hockey. So a bunch of people like naturally had that in their system. And then I tried in Whitehorse, I tried to pitch it as something that was like more social, like i.e. drinking beers and smoking cigarettes a little bit along with just sports rather than like super sporty, which people get a lot of here. Uh, I made a zine that I've been distributing and then I'm organizing a tournament on Labor Day. So I'm going to plug that the Barrel Cider Invitational happening Labor Day weekend. And that's, I think, gotten a few of the players kind of stoked on like getting good because I'm telling them that Anchorage in Montreal and Vancouver and London and Ottawa are all coming. Now, is that the barrel cider with an S or with a C? Like, are we talking about a barrel of cider or like a barrel cider, like a pass? I actually, that, it was originally like the pass, like the what's known as the shuffle in the South. But now you've got me thinking it would be cool if we got a keg of cider. <laughs> Yo, I'm going to be there for show. Alex, count on that. Can I count you in? How, uh, I, I definitely want to go. Um, Let's drive up. I, I got to figure out the logistics behind that, but... How, how long is the drive? Like, what is the... From where? What are we looking at here? From, let's say, Ottawa. Mm, like 70 hours, maybe. Manageable. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> less than three days of travel, actually. So, pretty good. 
That's two hours less than three days. <laughs> that's, that's three days not stopping at all. We can stop at Martha and Andrew's along the way. I've done Ottawa to Saskatoon in two days. so That's, that's like a drive to the I store, guess. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's like, is that halfway? No, I don't know what halfway is. I think Gimli is halfway from... Uh... Kitchener. Yeah, Gimli, Manitoba oh, yeah. is halfway from Kitchener to Whitehorse. Oh, so so it's more than halfway then. Oh, that's as the crow flies, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like getting out of Ontario is just the the, the worst part of driving across Canada. Um, the highways are just so slow. Well, they don't call it Long Cario just because people use long mallets there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Actually, I heard that there's going to be... Um, they're predicting a lot of traffic, uh, like a lot of Canadians are going to be traveling post-pandemic so there's actually a really good chance like that north uh the north superior route it's just one for for all the americans and non-canadians listening there's literally one highway which is one lane in each direction that connects eastern canada to western canada and it takes almost 20 hours to drive around the great lakes and it just winds and it's slow uh very very beautiful but if you're trying to get across country quickly um it's not great and I can only imagine after COVID, if there's like everyone in their dog has a camper that they're trying to get up that hill uh, and they haven't taken them out or tested them in over a year, there's a good chance that's going to get super back up, backed up. That's a good point, Alex. Um, I will just say for the non-Canadian listeners out there, normally a dog, it wouldn't matter because the dog wouldn't be driving. So it would be the same number of trailers and vehicles. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Dude, you say that, but I've seen the way these people drive. I, I think the dogs are driving. And then one last thing I'll add quickly on how to build a, on a, build a club is get a sister club in there, people. I don't know why this isn't a thing in polo. I recently propositioned Cairo Bike Polo from Egypt to see if they'd be my sister club, and they're totally in. So that, you know, I'm sending players there. They're sending players here. It, I think it'll only serve to build both our clubs. What is... um. What uh, comes with having a sister club? I guess like Ottawa sister club, I mean, probably Montreal, to be honest, but um, that's to be the natural fit. But like how, what is the territory? Are there any rules to that or things you have to keep in mind, responsibilities or something? So that's what Cairo said to me as well. I asked them if they'd formally like to accept my proposition to be a sister club. And they were like, oh, thank you very much. Um, what do you mean formally? So they were, they were a bit cagey. Um, on it, but I told them that we would just put up a sign at our club that said sister, sister club to Cairo bike polo. And maybe I'd send them some stickers. I just thought it'd be really fun. And then people walking by the court will be like, well, this looks legit. They have a sister club in Cairo. I mean, I would love to see that rivalry develop. Yeah. yeah. I think Cairo bike polo might be on par with Whitehorse in just the dramatic growth curve. Like seeing what they were, because I remember like looking them up on Instagram and if they, I, I feel like if you listen, if they're listening to the podcast, we should, well, we should just shout them out now. Yeah, shout, shout out, out Cairo, Cairo Bike, bike Polo. Because they were just posting photos of like, you know, just like if you Google searched Bike Polo and they were just posting these photos from like old tournaments in like North America. And then like Justin sent them a photo and then they just posted this photo of his new bike because, you know, he was just showing off his new bike. <laughs> But then they actually started posting photos of them playing, and I was just like, "Oh, this is this is real," and it's like an academy, and it's it's super cool because now they seem to have like so many players, and they play in like this beautiful spot with like I don't know if you know if it has boards. I think it just has like a netting around it. <laughs> it's very cool. That's the lobster trap. Yeah, <laughs> it's the biggest lobster trap. But uh, yeah, shout out Cairo Bike Polo. Well, I think if it's all right, I don't want to grab the reins too much, but I did bring an activity for you three to play. Oh, okay. Let's play. This is like when Pharrell interviews Nardwar instead <laughs> of Nardwar. And right off the bat, I have a game <laughs> oh. for you. <laughs> Yo, how do you know this? Okay, so this... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. How did you know we like polo? Yo, what? <laughs> okay, so this game is called Name Dat Club. And that is spelled with a D, so it's like D-A-T, named at club. So what I will do, and uh, audience members at home can play along and just mail in your responses to the North Care of the Northside Polo uh, podcast, and we'll send um, a sandwich from Durientios <laughs> to anyone that gets it perfectly right. So oh my God. I am going to describe the logo to you. And you guys will each get a chance to guess on which club it is. And if you yell it out first, then you get one point. Okay. 
So logo the first. This features a skeleton riding a bicycle. Uh, the skeleton has a large mustache and it is holding a mallet. Jose. What is Boston bike polo? No, that's not it. I, I've seen that one. A skeleton with a mustache. What? And a cowboy what is oh, rally God. bike polo. Can I guess again or do I only get one Keep guess? Keep guessing. Oh my God. St. Louis. No, a cowboy hat. It's not. It's not oh, rally. Houston. Austin. Austin. North Carolina. Beep, beep. Okay, no one gets any points. That's Calgary oh, Bike Bowl. I oh, thought that was yeah, going to be an right. easy oh, one. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Shout out Calgary. Okay, number two. You're all tied up at zero. I only lived there for 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> totally oh, worked Alex. into polo. <laughs> okay, logo the second. This one features the skeleton of an emu and a kangaroo. There is an anchor in the middle and a blazing sun. What is Timaru? Nope. Sydney bike polo? Yes, yes. Liam, one point. Is that oh. Sydney or, or Melbourne? I knew it wasn't Timaru. No, there's no kangaroos there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was a terrible guess. I just didn't want to say Sydney because it's the first thing that came to mind, but I should have trusted my instincts. Okay. When I think Sydney bike polo, I think Dragon's fucking cars, which was Carlos's <laughs> team, which had the most iconic t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that sounds... Okay. Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> okay, logo the third. This features... A polo player riding a moose. Oh, uh, Anchorage. Correct. Liam, wiping the floor. I have a sticker. Oh. I have an Anchorage. Wow. Holy. Okay, now we're getting into the hard zone. <laughs> I haven't got any of them <laughs> yet. Screwed. The easy zone stuff. No, okay, okay. I, I have a new strategy. This one is hard. Okay. Logo the fourth. This St. John's bike polo. No. This features <laughs> a cat wearing a cycling hat. With its mouth open. Seattle? This is a club that is debatably both European and Asian. Whoa. Moscow. Nope. Uh, Istanbul. Correct. Oh, Liam. oh, oh wow. I have a geography degree and that is finally coming to use. I feel exposed as to how little time I spend on Instagram. <laughs> well, now. I wouldn't have gotten it before. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever looked up Istanbul bike polo. Although we did have the one person who wrote to us from, I think, Istanbul. Right? Yeah. yeah they, shout out Istanbul. Yeah. And apparently they've got a really apparently they've got a yeah. super it's cool logo. The, so the picture I awesome. have it of it is a tattoo on someone. It's so dope. Oh, what? I encourage people to look it up. Sweet. Okay. This one following this the the cat theme. This one features, this is logo the fifth, a purple slash pink maybe fuchsia colored cat with hearts in its eyes. There are two mallets behind it with rainbows on the mallets. DC bike polo. It says rookie <laughs> games, snacks and drills, be nice or leave, chill with pals. That's it. It is a queer club. <laughs> oh, this is Montreal. Got him. Gavin on oh, the board. I haven't seen that yes. one yet. It's, it's beautiful. Yes. I'll check it. Nicely done. Okay. Uh, and this one is worth five points. So Alex, you do have a chance to catch oh, up. Redemption. Redemption. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. I'm in it to win it. This one features Save the best for last. This one features point. two fronds on the outside. There is a cyclist, a road cyclist with an arrow helmet and drop bars. There is the eye of Ra under a sun. What the Cairo by Cairo? Yes. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Ah, yes. Yes. Who said it first? Alex or Alex? Uh, that was Alex, clearly. So Alex with five points, oh, Liam it. with only four, and Gavin with one. Oh, Give sucks me to suck yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got it in your head because I was talking about Cairo <laughs> Bike Pole. Good games, day. good games. Well played, well yeah, played. Yeah, and it's a great logo. I, I really enjoy it. So there you go. That's a fun game. Yeah, that is called Name That Club. Now, I, uh, did you come up with this name because, or this game rather, because you were trying to design a logo for Whitehorse and... You were just making sure you weren't ripping off anyone or <laughs> you just wanted to see what else was out there. Yeah, I was like, hmm. Yeah, well, I w we've all seen some logos that look like they might be Proud Boy logos for certain bike polo clubs. <laughs> yeah, um, wow. Delete no, it. I knew exactly what logo I wanted to do, but then it, it made me think there's some amazing ones out there and there really are. Well, I have a good word from Angelo. The Mallets of Mayhem name came from... I think it was a bike event somewhere in Seattle or something, or like a big messenger event because there was a there was a club there, or not a club, but a team called like the Axles of Evil, 
And so then they were like, well, we're going to be the Mallets of Mayhem. And then, I mean, the logo has nothing to do. Well, it does have something to do with it. But I mean, that logo of like the chain, it's like you just replace what's behind the skull with like, you know, bike cranks, chain, mallets, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty well-used motif in the bike polo world. Mallets of Mayhem is like one of the most iconic. Yeah. Cause well, cause it was one of the first, right? I guess that, well, one of the first clubs I think that came out of um, Seattle and then. All these other clubs, obviously, copied it. <laughs> Just kidding. Ashwin, before we let you go here, there's a couple more questions I wanted to get your opinion on, okay? So the first one is, I heard there's like local rules in Whitehorse bike polo. Uh, how do they differ from the like regular game that most of us play? So basically, I didn't want to confuse people with rules, so I didn't tell them any, besides that you can't dab and that you have to tap in if you do, and don't be a jerk. Um, and then it was with the heavy heart. I did decide, you know what? No barrel cider goals allowed. Oof. So those are the only rules we have that are consistent. Whenever someone does something that's weird and asks if it's allowed, I typically just say yes. So as a result, you are allowed to kick the ball in white horse. You are allowed to peg leg. Good. You are allowed to jump up onto the boards and run around. Um, you're allowed to lean on the net. You can do whatever you want. I like that. I like it. Free flowing. You're telling me you had the opportunity to legalize goals and you didn't? I'm a little disappointed. I support the lack of shuffle goals. Wow. Explain your opinion on this because that's a hot topic. I just think that it's so satisfying the very first ever goal you get in bike polo. And if shuffle goals are, I mean, sorry, barrel cider goals are allowed, then you kind of get these ones sort of accidentally early on. And it's still cool. But that first ripper you actually managed to get in the net, it's just hard enough that it's super, super satisfying. And that's sort of my take on it. It's more for the rookies than the vets. I actually appreciate that. I think that's a good argument. Where do you stand on like wrist shots and scoop shots, like being able to lacrosse it into the net? I don't like it because I don't like the idea of raising it. I also don't, I'm not into the tech that much. Like right now, no one can endo turn really. No one wheelie turns. No one does scoop tricks because we don't have real mallet heads yet. We just ordered six. Shout out Ian Tizzard at Goodhead in Winnipeg. But uh, I like airmail, but keep it simple, right? Just smack a dack a do. Yep. Like we, we want to go OG. Nice. I'm talking nice. wheel covers. We just built a bunch of wheel covers. I wish we could do nicknames, but it doesn't really work when it's just your friends. <laughs> you could have polo nicknames that you just use at polo. Just to make it a bit more fun. Yeah, it just seems contrived. <laughs> Nicknames have to be organic, okay? You can't, you can't uh, just force them. I feel like the best ones are organic, but they will come. Like, I mean, if you keep shooting hard rippers and tiny taps and barrel siding things around the court, there's going to be some nicknames that come without a doubt. I'm really inspired to hear about how amazing White Horse Bike Pole is doing. Um, Ashwin, I guess like my final question for you that I have prepared at least is, you know, we have a pretty big audience on the show. You're probably speaking to hundreds of bike polo players around the world right now. So is there anything about bike polo or your philosophy of the game that you want to imprint on people? You do such a good job of spreading the joy of polo. So I just would really love to hear uh, some wise words from you. Uh, I would refer back to the legendary player of Kitchener-Waterloo known as the iconic James Ball mm. uh, when looking at all polo through a lens of the James Ball. The best player is not the one that shoots the hardest rippers. Nay, not the one that saves the most goals, but the one that has the most fun. And as a result of that, I am better at bike polo than you, Gavin. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I honestly could not agree more. I mean, if you're having more fun than me on the court, that's a big win for you. And I don't think there's anyone out there that has more fun than James Ball. So Yeah, that's why they call him James having a ball ball. Yeah. Yeah, I hope he's listening to this because uh, I'm sure he'd be smiling and laughing. Yep, so I guess that's going to be all for me. The last, I just want to shout out a few things. Shout out wheel covers because they're cool. Shout out ski poles and ABS pipe, never forget. And shout out making stickers for your club, stickers and patches. I just got a sweet one from Grand Rapids and I just sewed it onto my denim jacket. It's very cool. I want more patches. Send us uh, send us some photos. We'll post them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. On the IG. I'll send you some tings. Or send me send me some in the in the flesh. Oh. IRL. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah, I'll send a care package your way. But if you want to. 
Actually, no, don't send it to me. I'll get it when I'm there in September. Exactly. And I guess that's the last thing to shout out. Please come <laughs> Labor Day. <laughs> Long weekend. Wait, it's Labor Day. That's the same day. We, isn't that the same time we do ours, Gavin? No, we do ours the week after Labor Day. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so come on down. If you have any interest, just hit me up on the White Horse Instagram Hardcore Bike Polo or the Facebook page or uh, just like, I don't know, send a pigeon letter. over here or something. I, uh, yeah, send a letter. I'll put my send, uh, address in the description. Awesome. Love the mail. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, guys. I feel like this has been a long time coming. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been an amazing conversation. And, you know, we talk about you so much on the podcast because your influence over bike pool across Canada. And, uh, yeah, you had to come on. So thanks so much for giving us your time and your wisdom. Yeah, thanks so much. I've learned so much from uh, you, th- you three kings. Peace. Bye. <laughs> Wow, that guy's just done so much for Bike Polo in such a short time. When he told me he's recruited 40 people himself directly, my eyes like bulged out of my head a little bit. Like, that's <laughs> insane. I mean, to be fair, it's pretty hard to say no to something Ashwin wants you to like. If you know him and he has an idea of what to do, you can't help but feel that infectious energy. And just no matter what it is, you're just like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. He convinced me to bike out to Van Cleek Hill for like, this stupid not stupid but just like this party thing and i was like sure i'll do it on like my really shitty old crappy old uh steel bike that was like heavy as hell i didn't have any sort of like tires for like this trail i just did it i mean it was a crappy time but (laughs) i couldn't say no how long a ride is that uh it's about 100k i think i made it 80k until i had to get someone to come pick me up (laughs) because i was just so i also had like skipped lunch and you know just wasn't prepared yeah that's a long ride but the bike was definitely not great that is a long ride he's just such a charismatic individual and extremely creative with how he thinks about the game and um we're so lucky to have him in canada really keeping bike pole alive in a lot of ways we need him back here man to jumpstart our club Hey, we got it coming already. There's momentum. I'm telling you, I was messaging like six rookies today. It's a lot of talk. I know. Hopefully they come out on Sunday. Hopefully you have a good weather. Otherwise, I'll have to re-message them all and say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. But uh, anyways, another very popular segment of our podcast. We should get to it. Liam, you know which one it is. Mailbag. Mailbag. Yeah, we got a mail from Angelo. Only one email from Angelo um, from Ottawa. And he writes us a story here, so... Let me put on my hat, story time hat. He writes, hey boys, I wanted to tell this story when Elias told the Turducken Ottawa story because this makes that story sound not bad at all. Oh no. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buckle up. I'm putting my seatbelt on. (laughs) It's 2010 NAs and this is in Madison, Wisconsin. There was an amazing spread. This is, we're talking about the food table, by the way. An amazing spread that should really go down in the history books. And there were two players... Uh, in Madison, brothers Ben and Johnny uh, Hunter, who ran and still run a catering business and butcher shop. It's called the Underground Food Collective, or sorry, it used to be called the Underground Food Collective, now called the Underground Kitchen. All local, organic, made with love, soul food, if you will. They had the best food and so much of it. This tournament and the food tables were amazing, like really good, top-notch, the best. Big shout out to Madison, Mike Polo. And then one player, let's call him Joey, which is not his real name, drank all weekend and was often seen sitting inside the oversized cooler of beer like it was a bathtub. (laughs) It was really hot on that weekend. At the end of the tournament, the organizers with all their family and their friends were sitting down to have a celebratory meal to cap off a successful tournament. It was just them, the organizers, friends and family, including children, small children. Now, I believe that there were only two people that saw this go down. Robbie uh, from Clobber Politics, Uncle Clobber Eccles, and myself. This was after the tournament had ended. Players were packing to leave. There were not many people around the courts. We watched Joey, pissed drunk, run across the park towards the family, sit down meal, screaming, sharp objects, sharp objects. (laughs) He jumped and belly slid across this eight foot long table and taking everything with him as he landed on his head (laughs) on the opposite side of the table. The children were screaming and crying, (laughs) obviously scared. The adults were in total disbelief of what had just happened. Joey was on the ground with food all over him and the ground. Robbie and I saw this whole thing happen from the minute he started his dash. It was one of the craziest things I've seen. And I tell you, 
We've seen and done some crazy things back in the day. Robbie and I would heckle Joey every time we saw him at future tournaments when he was on the court. They say, don't forget to clear the table, Joey. <laughs> Thanks for that story. That comes from Angelo from Ottawa. <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah, just having, it's hard not to laugh just reading the setup for that story. <laughs> it's like, oh, I know it's going to happen. It sounds like this guy used his head as like a bowling ball for this like multiple <laughs> families feast dinner, like catered dinner. Wow. And how do you slide across the whole table? Like, did he grease himself up? I guess he was wet from the cooler water or something. We need to make sure we like, like, I don't know, for our food tables, we have like some security. Cause like, I feel like it's going to come back. I don't need like a security or just like, I don't know, tape everything down to the table. Yeah. Make sure the table's like sunk into the ground with a couple of like T posts or something. (laughs) Apologies. And in the off chance, there is a Joey from Madison. (laughs) They were, this is yeah sorry the names have been changed alias that we use yeah. for the story names have Don't been worry. changed names the, have been the locations changed. have not apparently yeah. i no no i spoke off the air with angelo about this email and he told me that this player who did this is canadian so <laughs> oh my god um he said the exact quote but i'm not going to single it out for anyone but uh this player is canadian they're not from madison and so that just means if you're in canada safeguard your food tables we put a lot of work into them we're so nice eh we got to make sure that we don't spoil that food with any um, slip and slide heroics on the tops of these surfaces. So no copycat food table spoilers, okay? Don't want to see just, it. Just clear the table. Yeah, just tell us before you take a wild dash, yelling whatever you want to yell and sliding across the table. Wow. And you know what? It's a testament to me about how amazing this food must have been because Ange has been there for all of it. He was at the Valley with the beet salad. So if he says this was the best spread, I'm inclined to believe it. Yeah, delicious stuff. Alex, you said you had an activity for us to finish the episode today. Yeah, so uh, I have a sign-off, just a quick uh, a quick point, not super polo-related, but very podcast-related. Um, I just wanted to reiterate, you know, guys, it's so important, the things we say on podcasts, they really matter. I think we have a really good bond of trust that if we commit to something, if we say we're going to do something, we, we absolutely follow through with it. And uh, I was really disappointed this week. Uh, certain unnamed NBA podcast uh, made a promise <laughs> that uh, I, I emailed in, for those of you that don't follow the NBA, probably the most overrated team, potentially in the history of the NBA, completely collapsed against Atlanta, a team that was very underrated. Anyway, I made a wild prediction and I was promised godhood status and an apology. And I received neither of those things from this podcast. I was very disappointed. Um, And it's just really important to, you know, put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) I will make sure that that message is heard loud and cleared by the hosts that made those promises of said Raptors Review podcast. Uh, um, unnamed NBA podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't want. Oh, you don't want them to get any traffic. No, 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 I'm, no, just no. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I'll make sure they hear that message loud and clear. And you know, I think we do an excellent job on this podcast of keeping our word and making sure that we mean everything we say and we say everything we mean. So I'll make sure that those two brothers uh, follow suit. One yeah. in particular, we will <laughs> mail you a Darienzo sandwich if you got Ashwin's game correct. Just tell us you got it correct. We will mail you the Darienzo sandwich. It might not be that good by the time you get it, but you never know. All right. Well, if that's it, guys, uh, we made it through another episode. How do you feel? The marathon has ended. Oh, feels good. I I am just so excited to get back to playing bike polo. Like there is light at the end of the tunnel for the first time in a long time. And I think genuinely the rumble at the river might be the first time I get to play polo with other people in over a year. And I am just so excited. Yeah. I kind of agree because as much as it's great to talk bike polo and we've done it for almost a year now. Is that right? Yeah, we got to look up when the anniversary of this podcast. Yeah, Hopefully we'll we don't to, miss it. Yeah, have to pull something good up. But yeah, it, it's not nothing compared to actually playing and seeing people. And um, I mean, I shouldn't discount the amount of support and amount of nice messages and emails we've received. It's been really cool to see how many people around the world listen to our podcast and um, send us ideas and, and stories. And, um, but man, I just, yeah, I just want to go play. I want to go play with these people that have been talking. I mean, obviously it's not possible yet to see everybody, but I just want to get out there and, and relive the, 
the joys of bike polo. So I'm excited to get out there soon. Soon we will. I soon. know I've been thinking a lot more about bike polo these days. A lot. Guys, more. I, I'm, on, I'm on your Facebook. I'm your Facebook friend. I saw oh. that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Gavin is thinking about bike polo. Yeah, <laughs> I have been. It keeps me up at night some nights, to be honest with you. Just I imagine my hard rips. That's the thing that keeps you up at night? Yeah, bike polo. That's a pretty definitely. good thing to keep you up at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I just, it's so powerful and on my mind that it just blocks out all the stress and anxiety. Like, I can't think of anything else because I'm always thinking about bike polo. I've only got so much mental faculty, you know, capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we're dwelling on and drawling on here. Let's just finish this podcast. Thank everyone for listening all the way to the end. We love all you guys out there. Remember, you can email us at northsidepolopodcast at gmail.com. That's northsidepolopodcast at gmail.com. We want your tasty takes, whether they're hot or not. Remember, keep your rubber side down. Think about bike polo. You'll be out there soon with your friends. All right, signing off. For Gavin, Liam, and Alex, bye. Bye. Peace. I stole your sign off, Alex. Sorry. Oh, oh, there's some internet connection stuff going on. Could you just say that again? Oh, thank you so much to you three kings. <laughs> okay. Could you say that again? Yeah. Sorry. Now? <laughs> 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 it made like the exact same sound. It's like, eh, eh. it's just that white Things. horse internet. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's okay. We got the end. We got enough end stuff. Okay. Thank you so much to you three kings of Orient. Oh, is what I said. Thank you. But you maybe you don't need to put that in. <laughs> <laughs>